The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Rapid Sales Accelerator. If you're ready to skyrocket your sales by 30% or more in just 90 days, then you need to claim your free training right now. You'll learn four words that will compel your prospects to trust you like they were children within the first three to five minutes of any conversation across any platform and any medium. You'll learn how to give your prospects objection amnesia to crush objections like I need to talk to my spouse or I need more time to think it over or it's too expensive. And finally, you'll get a free recorded audio training that will install unbelievable attitudes for success and wipe out any limiting beliefs. So if you'd like to claim your free training now, go to www.paulrossbook.com. Do it before your competition does it now. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome to the Influencer's Edge. Before we go any further, I have to thank my guest today, Lee. Lee, how do you say your last name? Miltier. Miltier. Lee Miltier is so patient with me, I could not find her application. And we had some quick phone calls and she actually assisted me. So I already love you, Lee. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. I'm going to read a little bit of your biography. It's extremely extensive because you're so accomplished as a human being. And also the print is really small here. So let's go. So Lee Miltier is an internationally known entrepreneur, best-selling author, award-winning professional speaker, TV personality, business mentor. Lee provides business and success advice and resources to nearly 250,000 people around the world. She's the founder of the Success Smarts Club. Love that labeling. Branding, helping entrepreneurs and business owners and millionaires, Smarts Club, Smarts, Smarts Coaching Program, which applies done for you content coaching for other coaches and businesses. Wow. There's so much also going on here. My first question, when do you find time to sleep? Because you're achieving in so many areas. How do you even have time, find time to sleep? Well, that's, uh, that's very astute of you. Um, I am a producer in life. I am prolific. I am determined and I have uh, a mission Life is short. I have a lot to do. Uh, I was raised by a uh, rancher father who wanted a boy. And oh. so uh, he got me and Lee, L-E-E. And um, his big thing was um, go out and do something with your life. Make something with your life. His big thing was never be average. Don't do it. He, he always said, if everybody else is going in one direction, you stop and go in the other direction. So did my mom. And that average, being average was actually a curse for people. And that never be average. Uh, he said, average people, there's a million average people. He said, be that outstanding pe- person, you know, who brings something to the game. So um, that's what I do. You still have to sleep at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I 
do sleep. I do sleep. It's just, um, I'm very productive because I'm extremely big with boundaries of my time. Um, I understand how to use the subconscious mind to uh, be prolific. So I program my, my brain at night. Uh, I tell everybody that next to your lamp, you should have a little note on it. And, and as you turn the lamp off at night, the note shall say, what do you want your subconscious mind to work on tonight? Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, that article is halfway written, or at least there's these triggers in your brain of there's an article I can read and, you know, quote, there's the, all this help there because my subconscious has had, you know, six or eight hours to play with it all night before I physically consciously play for it. That's that's a fantastic hack. Now, one of my ideas that I like to teach people is with every superpower comes a potential cost. If you're so prolific and so creative, what is your strategy? I know many of our people listening are entrepreneurs and, and they're highly driven people who also are very creative, but you have to find a way to organize that and put it to use so it monetizes. So if I were to push back a little bit and say, that's fantastically and how did you learn the skill sets? Because it seems to me that with the programming your father gave you and how you, with these tools you use, being prolific is fantastic for you. How did you learn the skill of organizing it and not feeling that scheduling it would make you feel squeezed, which is my personal challenge? I have, uh, I have goals that I want and I visualize the goals. I script the goals out in great detail. And the big trick for me, Paul, is uh, I do this every single morning and it's in all my books. I talk about scripting your life into the future. So whatever today is, I, I will take uh, just a piece of paper in the morning, really early in the morning, and I will put a date several months in advance on the top of my paper. And I will start talk about this character called Lee Miltier and I will actually write out all these things that she has done and how the universe helps her get them done and the right people and the right people who can pull the trigger and produce it and, and help all collaborate with me wow. energetically to manifest this creation. It's almost not uh, when I heard you say the right people assist you. It almost sounds like you're cast, not only writing your script, but you're casting it, which I think is brilliant. I cast my, uh, well, I'm a big believer in helpers. So whether we're talking about physical human helpers or we're talking about, you know, sort of spiritual type helpers, I'm really, I believe that this is a free will planet and that people have to ask for help or it is not given. And we live in a society that people are literally afraid to ask for help. They, they are afraid they will appear weak or something that's a crazy, crazy mental program that they have in their head. But I'm a big believer in asking for help. I, I have, as I mentioned to you before we started, I'm a, I have assistance because I know where I'm strong and I stick in my lane in that strong point. And then I have all these other people around me who are my support team and they are fantastic. They're technical, they do the books, you know, they do marketing stuff. And um, I get to do the, 
the Lee stuff. I think I just want to, I have to put the pause button here. Everyone I've interviewed who talks about writing down your goals and being specific, that's all fine. But you're the first person to actually talk about scripting them and putting inside of it who you need to assist you in that. I've never heard that before. That alone has offered, we're going to continue in this interview, but that alone has made the interview for me. That's that's fantastic. I want to dive a little bit more into that and get a little bit more laser into it. If you don't mind, then we'll move sure. forward with you sharing your, your genius here. When you talk about scripting and, and helpers, how specific do you describe those people? Uh, or do you already have the names of the people? Like you have an ideal person you would like to have uh, as a JV person? Or how do you how specific do you get with that? I'm really all over the board, Paul. Um, sometimes if I know a person like, um, you know, my team is going to be helping me. Um, sometimes I ask for... Uh, just for helpers in general, you know, universe, bring me the right people who are, who have the vision, the ability, and the skills to help me. Okay. Now look at that formula, everybody. Vision, ability, and skills. Love it. Vision, ability, and skills. How do you, aren't ability and skills the same thing? No, skills are learned. Uh, we all have a natural ability. Like wow. I'm a natural communicator. I'm a good writer. I'm a good speaker. Uh, but that doesn't trans, you know, I don't really want to teach other people how to write. I know how to do it and I have the ability to do it, but it's not in my nature. I just rather do it than be become a teacher in that specific little area of life. So I see skills as something you learn. Ability is something do you have the aptitude for. Um, I talk a lot in my life about what is your nature. So if, if we were friends, we might be in the future, and you and I were having a conversation, and you would say, well, why don't you do blah, blah, blah? And I might say, well, Paul, that's good for somebody else, but that's not in my nature to do. It's not in my natural makeup that I have any desire or uh, you know, desire in that direction kind of thing. So I know where I'm, I'm skilled and I know where I have natural talents now. And people get really confused about talent. They just think you're sort of born with this raw talent and you are, but like everything else in life, it has to be nurtured and it has to be polished like a diamond. It has to be paid attention to. You have to have uh, really good teachers. You have to have a direction. You have to have focus. Uh, you have to have this like kick-ass attitude that uh, my attitude about everything is if there is a way I can find it. Yes, me too. And that if there's a problem, I will find a solution. And I might not be happy about this, but every day I'm a business owner. I own a publishing company. And you, every day you're like scratching your head. It's like, I, 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 I didn't think anything like this could happen, but here we are. And so I will figure it out. And now you just, forgive me. I, I want to hit the pause button. You just revealed a reality about entrepreneurship and business ownership that some people either don't know or they're not willing to face, which is you're going to have 
uh, this is a bad metaphor, but you're going to have fires to put out, things drop in your lap, things breaking. And if you're not able to stay, keep a cool head or to accept that reality, people tend to paint. I don't want to make this my show. So uh, it's about you. So I, I how do you, because you coach people, how do you take your coaching clients who tend to freak out when something doesn't go according to plan, how do you help them stay focused and calm and move forward knowing that they can find the solution? I normally can reframe the situation for them. And instead of you looking at this situation from um, maybe a poverty mentality or an overwhelmed position with your emotions. So there's five kinds of energy in life, which I work with. There's mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial. And that's for a business owner. They got to deal with that every single day. So I always say, okay, this is the way you're looking at it, but it's not benefiting you to see this from this perspective. You're not going to come up with a solution that's going to work for you in the long term. We got to we got to move your perception and make you look at uh, the challenge. And first, let's don't call it a problem because the problem already shuts you down emotionally. Let's call it a challenge or um, one of my favorite things. It's a new adventure for today. <laughs> we got to take care of. And um, uh, I will tell you that I started my first business at 12 years old. Wow. And I had 37 people working for me at 12 years old. Whoa, pause, 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 pause. That was not in your biography. I'm not going <laughs> to let you not. skate by. I'm not going to let you skate by. At 12 years old, you had 37 people working for you. Uh, yeah. You even tracked the legal aspects of employment and law and even the oh, rest. Okay. okay, so it wasn't like a, a big business. Okay, my dad's a rancher, farmer. Uh, when I was 12 years old, I came home from school one day and he said, he called me in the, uh, in the house and he said, uh, Lee, I need you to go to the barn and get your horse, saddle up. I need you to go get your raffle, rifle loaded and I need you to go pack your lunch because you're in business as of today. We have 37 people in a field that our main uh, uh, supervisor guy who has always been there has is in the hospital. He's going to be in there a long time. We have five big farms we were working with. Uh, you need a supervisor for each one. And he said, you are very strong and you have a natural leadership abilities. And this job, this new business of yours is going to bring them out. And um, so I did all the things. I saddled up, got the food, got the gun, Got the water, went up to the field, announced I was the new uh, lead boss. What? Well, well, pause. I got to pause within the pause. What are these people? I'm assuming they're men working the field. Maybe not. I don't know. It was men and women. And it, to give you a context of how small this was, uh, my my father raised uh, large herds of Angus cattle. We also had fields and fields of peanuts, soybeans, oh, wow. corn, uh, everything you can think of for a big That's ranch. Nice. And so the people that I had were daily workers. They were men and women. It was minimum wage. Um, we couldn't pay them much. So uh, my nickname at the time was 
one more row. And the reason for that is this <laughs> feels and feels and feels of our uh, agriculture that they had to go down and take a hoe, you know, one of those yeah. things with the stick on it, and yeah, they go around a peanut plant to remove all the weeds so the, the weeds wouldn't choke the plant out. You had mm. to do that about twice a year with all of your your you know agriculture stuff because back then uh, they hadn't developed the machines that would not like kill the plants. Right, got it. So my job was to get those people on a. I had 110 acres. That was my job. 110 acres. And we would start in the morning at 6 a.m. We'd go to five. The only thing I could give them was water and rest. They already had their lunch and, of course, minimum wage. And at the end of these long rows, everybody wanted to sit down and, you know, like rest for half an hour. And I'd go, no, 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 no. One more row. We're going to do one more row. Then we'll have some water and we'll rest. And then we'll start again. And I had to work harder and longer in front of everybody to drag them along. Right. Now, what I learned at 12 years old is that um, anybody can be a leader who will stand up and treat people right, have respect for them, uh, and show them what to do and do it better than they would do it. In other words, I wasn't behind them. I was in front of them. And can you imagine at 12 years old, the maturity that I gained from dealing, and by the way, there were conflicts and, you know, people had little hissy fits. They were tired. They didn't want to work anymore. And I'm like, well, you know, if there's no transportation, nobody's coming till five to pick you up. <laughs> so, I don't need to imagine it. That's why you had the loaded rifle. <laughs> well, well, the rifle was actually for, um, occasionally we would have wild packs of animals that would, you know, go through the countryside, let's just say dogs. And not that we ever killed anything we didn't need to kill, but for just for protection, my father was a big believer in the second amendment. Me and too. <laughs> uh, uh, I learned to shoot around seven. I could drive a tractor at eight. Um, my father <laughs> taught me to fist fight. And I mean, fist fight, because he said to me, nobody's coming to save you. Your father sounds like an absolutely extraordinary man. Absolutely. He huh? He was an extraordinary man. He was, so was uh, He was six foot four. He was 280 pounds. And there was uh, not an ounce of take any shit from anybody from this man. <laughs> and so when uh, today I am very outspoken. I am very direct. I have no fear of telling anybody anything I want to tell them. I'm not afraid of them because when you grow up with someone like my dad, who really held you to the line, uh, I have absolutely no fear of anyone. And that's but a great but blessing. I know just from talking to you before the show and looking at you now and receiving you, you also have a very soft and loving heart. I can tell. Oh, I do. I, I know do. you do. <laughs> I, I do. However, in the world, uh, being a blonde Southern woman, the... Um, perception of you may have be the first impression of oh this is a little some blonde southern woman <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> you have no idea of the gladiator i could be so, uh, <laughs> it's, so it's fun let, let me let me dive in just a little bit more i love that metaphor of being a gladiator so let's talk about um you're all about activating inner power 
Yes. Let's dive into this about past programming is being detrimental to people creating success and long-term success. I want to ask you to make a distinction because this idea of past programming affecting us is fairly common. I want I want you if you if you deal with this at all, how much of this has got to do with trauma that stuck to the programming? Not just that you've heard it over and over, but it's been traumatizing. It's tied to some trauma. Does this do you I think that most everybody has lived a great traumatic past in some way. Uh, and trauma has a, a great deal with how people perceive things. Uh, but the past programming that I'm generally talking about is our self-image and uh, just how we're brought up in the world. So, you know, as you know, most people are completely pretty programmed with opinions and things by the age of five to seven years old. Yes. And so we have religious institutions, schools, medical, government. Advertising. Advertising. Yes, yeah, so on an average day, what is it? Three to 5,000 uh, advertisements per day are sort of exposed to your it's worse world. with this thing. With oh, the yes, the, uh, the phone. Yes, it's really bad. Um, I grew up in an area where, I mean, we were allowed exactly one hour of television a day. One. One hour. That was it. And it was usually shows that my father picked like gun smoke and, you know, stuff, you know, Westerns kind of thing. And we would get one hour a day. And there was just uh, my father believed that whatever your environment was, it would completely dictate your future. So if you were brought up to believe that you were a victim in life, your whole life would be scarred by that one perception of yourself. I do believe that most of our programming leads people into victimhood. Yes. Because it's, uh, you know, depend on the medical profession, depend on the government, depend on this, depend on that. And my upbringing was depend on yourself. That, you know, you were the one who had to figure things out. You could ask for help, but that nobody's coming to save you. You you are here to save yourself and to uh, look for opportunities in the world. And so when I say activate your inner power, I'm really talking about that intuitive instinct that's in you that think of a hundred years ago, Paul, uh, people didn't have all this programming of, you know, smartphones and stuff like that. I mean, our life was, their life was very different. It was a slower pace. But what happened was, is that they had instincts that, that they got, you know, that were nurtured, let me just say by society, you know, like my father could easily say, I don't care what the weather says, there's a storm coming. We need to get our livestock and, you know, button down the hatches kind of thing. We need to pay attention on the ranch. And it didn't make any difference what the weather forecast said. If my father said there's a storm coming, off we went to do those things. He was always right. He always said, if you listen, there's a voice inside of you that is a truthful voice. It's not a fear voice. It's the part of the wisdom that is within you that always depend on that inner voice to guide you you will instinctively know right from wrong 
you really think I'm going to push back here? I have to push back. Do you really think that every person has that voice of inner wisdom? Uh, or some people I've just found in my life as a business person, and a lot of people just don't know how to make good decisions. They don't have a voice. That voice of what seems like inner wisdom is a voice of wishful thinking or a voice of denial. So how do you teach your, if indeed this is something you teach your clients, I don't know that you do teach them to hear or tune into their voice of inner wisdom. If it's not, we can blow back, blow past the question. But if, it, but if it is, how do you teach them to make that distinction between wishful thinking and-, okay. and Gotcha. So first, we were talking about 100 years ago, where there wasn't all this confusion. Right. So people learn to, well, they didn't have any kind of external, you know, like we do today, you know, getting your attention. So they had more time to listen to their their inner, yeah. inner self. Now, I do believe you're right. There are some people who seem to be um, really lacking in what I call the intuition or instinct skills. But that really is if you analyze those people and get to know them and look at their upbringing, everything was external. Everything, and by the way, this is our real challenge today with the world. Everything is external. All the power everywhere is external. It is the government can give you do this and the medical can do this. Um, and the last three years have really revealed a lot of um, hidden agendas. And oh, we can, if this weren't a political show, we could talk. If I didn't have another thing coming up, we could talk for hours about that. But I'm on the absolutely. So I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, you know, when there were certain restrictions of, you know, you have to be six feet apart and you can only follow the little signs. Every fiber of my being went, oh, complete bullshit. Yeah. And I'm not doing any of it. Yeah, me too. And, and all of these um, things that they wanted to put in your body, my my brain's going, hmm, not for me. Not for me. I can't answer for anybody else, but not for me. Right. So that is an instinct within me, a survival instinct. If people took the time to actually meditate, stay in nature, walk on the beach, go into nature and, and learn to ask themselves critical questions because questions are the key to awakening. Oh boy, that's true. So oh if, boy, that's true. If they would ask themselves, how well, do I really feel? So inside of us, I, I jokingly say we have a natural uh-huh and a natural uh-uh mm -hmm. yeah. inside of us. Yes. And you can call it your gut, but here it is. So I pause when stuff happens and I just feel, is that a uh-huh or is that a oh, hell no kind of feeling? And if we could get our society to slow down and slow down and pause and to actually allow themselves to feel... See, we have a whole culture who's afraid to feel. Think about it. When they go home, what's the first thing they do? They turn on the television or they look at their phone or they got the radio going. There's some external stuff coming towards them all the time. There's no this peace and how do I really feel about this? Or what what is my senses? They never question. They are they are following the lead. 
I, I don't follow the lead other than my own inner being. I don't care what the government says. Unless they're going to throw me in jail, I'm only doing what I want to do. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I like you. You're cool. Um, let, let's continue here. Uh, I, I'm enjoying this conversation. We're kind of not, I told you this would not be your typical, uh, your typical interview. I hope I'm living up to that. I know, I'm, look, I do interviews all day. I'm, I, I'm having a good time. I'm just going to tell the truth and be myself. And Good. That's what I want. So how can people use an, um, imagery and visualization to break through barriers that help them from reaching their potentials? Now, I just want to add one thing. First of all, we have about uh, five minutes left, and I, I, I want you back on the show. I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Okay. So using imagery and visualization, this again is something that's been taught over and over and over and over, but you I know you have your unique spin on it. So talk to us about that. We're made of four volts of electrical energy, and every time you have a thought, good or bad, right or wrong, true or false, four volts of electrical energy goes through your brain, imprints I could just call it a groove. Uh, it creates imprints in your brain. So what happens is, is that when you live a life and you see examples of things, you imprint this on your brain as normal as the way things go. But you have to break that circuitry. You have to deliberately insert in your mind a new image because basically... Remember this, success is not like reading a book. You go to the beginning, you go to the middle, and you go to the end. Success is opposite. Success <laughs> is you go to the diagonal end, then you look at the end, and then you create a plan backwards. And that's where I think the fear comes up, is people don't believe they can get to such a big end. They, they're, afraid, they're afraid of taking the steps or reluctant, but people are afraid to see what geniuses and giants they can actually be because of all that programming that says, you're not that, you're not that, you're not that. Yes, and because I made this decision that I was going to make something of myself, um, when I was 16 years old, and I'll make this quick, um, I was quite the handful in high school. I don't, <laughs> I'm telling you, I was like, uh, every day asking the teachers, how do you monetize this? How could I leverage this? I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I don't understand why you're teaching me this. There's no way I can make any money from this. Uh, <laughs> no way I can create success from this. So what is this stuff you're teaching me? So they had a plan. They had a whole school meeting over Lee Miltier. Lee Miltier got assigned to the library as a library assistant. This was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, Paul, because one, I love books. Me but too. in the library, a entrepreneur came in one day who I happened to be, got to have the pleasure of, of being there. He hands me this big box of books and he goes, we're moving. I want to donate these to your high school. They're all business books about success. My ears are going, well, okay. And on the top of the books was The Magic of Believing by Claude Bristol, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, the best of the three, in my opinion. In okay. My opinion. Okay. So I happen to like Magic of Believing the best. But anyway, so at 16 years old, I'm reading these three books. This gave me a, a physical, emotional charge that I had found my path. Because all I did was spend my life in the guidance counselor's office going, 
Okay, you got 10 things for girls here to do when they get out of high school. I'm not going to do any of those. Nope, nope, not, no, 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 no. Got to give me something else because can't do this. You know what, Lee? This is a sad thing. Nowadays, a, a young person like you who responded like this would be diagnosed as having oppositional defiance disorder and they would be medicated and, and be put in therapy. That's the sick, sad comment that I just want to put in here. You agree with me? I do. I do. And um, I can just say that if they had tried that with my father, he would have laughed very hard. And said, brought the rifle. No, that's need, not going to happen. Uh, two things. First of all, I want to have you back on the show. Second, I've never said this to, to a guest before because it's never been true. I have a dream that one day we can share a stage and teach people together because you're extraordinary. I've never shared that with anyone because I've never felt it before. Wow. But thank I, you. I, I feel that way with you. People are going to want to stay in the conversation with you, including me. So how do they stay in the conversation with you, Lee? What do you have for them? Okay. Well, I have a gift for your people first. Um, if they go to this URL, fivetypesofenergy.com, it's just real simple, fivetypesofenergy.com. This is a five video series. Each video is five minutes. The videos, you'll love this. They are mental energy, physical energy, emotional energy, spiritual energy, and financial energy. For you those who are listening and not watching is F-I-D-E, not the number yes. five, but F-I-D-E. That is correct. And when you go there, it'll line you up. The videos will come like one a day for five straight days. It'll also put you on the Gems of Wisdom newsletter, which is free. I do once a week. It's just positive um, stuff that goes out. If you don't like it, just get off. But um, people, I, I created this, uh, these little videos for, uh, literally groups who had interviewed me, who wanted to know more about how can I utilize, you know, the energy that is already around me. And I go, well, there's five that you're utilizing every day. Just be more aware of how you're using those five energies because that's your daily currency. And, um, so that's one of the ways you can all go, you can also go to milfear.com, which is my website. Um, I have a, a lot of things available. I've written 17 books personally, five of them are bestsellers. Um, I have a success club. I have all kinds of exciting oh, things. Lady, you have to get off the couch and make something of your life. <laughs> As my Jewish mother would say, may her soul rest in the arms of God. <laughs> yes. I mean, actually, that's a great, actually, that's an advice for everybody. Everybody really at this point has stopped, has got to stop skating in life allowing the external world to determine your future. And then you just got to really stand up and say, I am in charge of my future. Your point of power in lifetime is this moment. And it's always this moment. And when you take action on that, um, most people, the one thing they're missing is the action. The action. You, you can't think about things all day. You actually have to think about them and then do something. Not just wait for someone to find you in your pajamas on your sofa. It doesn't work like that. You have to be out there. You have to be places. On that note, I have to let you go. Stay on for a minute because I want to talk to you in the in the green room. Lee, you've been one of my top like 10 fabulous guests. And, uh, oh, thank and you. uh, you've been fantastic. 
We'll see on the next episode of The Influencer's Edge. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Rapid Sales Accelerator. If you're ready to skyrocket your sales by 30% or more in just 90 days, then you need to claim your free training right now. You'll learn four words that will compel your prospects to trust you like they were children within the first three to five minutes of any conversation across any platform and any medium. You'll learn how to give your prospects objection amnesia to crush objections like I need to talk to my spouse or I need more time to think it over or it's too expensive. And finally, you'll get a free recorded audio training that will install unbelievable attitudes for success and wipe out any limiting beliefs. So if you'd like to claim your free training now, go to www.paulrossbook.com. Do it before your competition does it now. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on The Influencers Edge Show.